Hello everyone, I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Route, a red shirt Friday edition of Rural Route. How red is that shirt, Mary Grant? Well, the shirt's not red, but there is red in the vest. There, there's I mean, red going give me on. Give a pass. You know, it's patriotic. <laughs> it's Veterans Day. It's Veterans Day. Kind of. Well, um, it is the, uh, the government holiday. The Veterans Day is actually tomorrow, November 11th. Correct. Uh, what, where did I get lost in the stream here? We uh, another edition of Rural Route where we discuss the issues between food production and food consumption. Isn't that horrible when you get lost in your own stream? In your own stream or in your own food line. <laughs> your own food line. <laughs> Mary Grainer and I are in Kansas City at the Determined Patriotism Conference. What is that about? You know, the, it's a time where they bring a bunch of patriots together and talk about what's going on in our country and see what it is that we as individuals can do to maybe help get back on track. Is it that simple? It's not that simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because we can't even agree what a patriot is anymore. Isn't that the truth? You know, and it's like all of these people come together and it's like, well, yes, we know what the problems are, but why can't we get anything solved? It seems like it's this, okay, we hear the same message, but what are we going to do to fix it? I think it's because we spend too much time talking about the problems instead of actually executing solutions. Speaking of executing solutions, <laughs> there's laws against that. There's not a law against executing solutions. There's a law against executing people who don't belong in the government, but that's something else. Never mind. Oh, wait a minute. Where are you going? You got a guillotine in your pocket or I, what? I don't, but it's like, you know, when there's, to me, some of these things are war crimes. Um, some of these things are, it's like, okay, we know what the problem is, but why can't we fix it? Is it our legal system? Is it, uh, you know, w what do we do? I think it's because the corruption is at a level we never before anticipated. Well, I think it's always been there. We just didn't realize how deep it was. It's becoming very apparent that there is an extra level of corruption in the judicial system. Yes. And everybody thinks that the next lawsuit is going to fix the problem. And That's not, not the case. No, it seems like uh, just everyone in law, it doesn't matter, and I'm not speaking for any particular government entity in itself, but anything from your, your city council, your, um, your county council, all the way up to the top, there's, there's dirty on every level. Yeah, absolutely. And I did a horrible job introducing my radio audience to Mary Grainer. Mary Grainer comes to us from St. Anthony, North Dakota. <laughs> Or thereabouts. Yeah. Your address isn't saying anything? Well, it's actually Huff, H-U-F-F. -F, oh, which is well, right south everybody of, knows where Huff is. Right, Huff Hill Ski Resort, hey, in the backyard. <laughs> Center of sweet corn capital of USA. Indeed, indeed. And you know what? Here in Kansas City, everyone told us where we needed to go eat last night because they had, like, the best sweet corn on the cob in Kansas City. I beg to differ. <laughs> it might be the best in Kansas City. You know, if then they got a long ways to go. Okay, you are the sweet corn lady of Morton County, so you want to explain that? Well, um, okay, so my husband and I, we, we both grew up on farms and ranches, and we both, it's kind of funny, we both grew sweet corn and sold it as kids. Uh, we sold ours for like 50 cents a dozen. And uh, then fast forward to getting married and uh, thinking, oh, you know what, let's sell sweet corn, because we'd both done it all, you know, pretty sure. much our, our lives. And it's like it just grew and grew and grew. And now it's, it's to the point where we, we can't even keep up. Like, it's, it's, um, 
It's amazing, but it's a good product. And as far as we know, we're the only ones that carry it. Everyone says that they have the same stuff that we have, but we don't tell anybody what it is. And so there's so many different varieties out there, but I can be ready. Like we'll get to town by 10 o'clock and we'll have people waiting in line by nine o'clock already. I've witnessed that. Yes. And this past summer, I did, for my first time ever, sample some. Yes. And it is unlike any other sweet corn I've had. Boom. Are you doing your own genetics? Oh, no. no. You just buy a variety that, and you got some special herb in the soil that gives it that extra flavor. That's what it is. It's the tender, loving care <laughs> that we put towards our, we go out and we talk to it. Kenny read, sings to the corn every night in the summer. Is that what he does? Children of the corn. Children we of the send corn. our whole family out there to talk to the corn. <laughs> Well, you are known as the sweet corn lady of North Dakota. Yes, you know, and I, I wear that title proudly. I mean, it's, it's, it's farm to table, and people, people will pay it. I mean, it's, there's corn available in every grocery store and every, um, you know, let's say Walmart, um, every big No, let's box, not say that word. But every big box store where people yeah. think they're going to get a great deal. But some of the corn that I've seen, it's like it's stuff that we wouldn't even give our cattle, to be honest. It's just brown leaves, and I just can't imagine why they would sell something like that. And people know what they get. You know, the they, they know when they get to our place, um, they're going to get a, a great cob of corn. Why wouldn't you do your own little genetic research project and have the, the greener mystique genetic? Well, I think there's time and money. That's oh, I think involved. I could mark, do this marketing campaign. Grainer genetics. I'll have to work on that. But there's a third word in there that's just going to put the extra pizzazz to it. But you got to do the breeding. Right, and I, that's not our wheelhouse. I, you know what you I'm saying? You don't know. You I, haven't tried it. That's true. Now, don't put another thing on my plate. I'm calling Kenny. <laughs> You know, he would enjoy that call. He would. He We're going to have that discussion. You know, I guess I don't know what goes into that. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't well, know. Well, you have to... a male and you have a female. And then you bring the two together. And the fortunate thing about corn is you don't even need two plants sometimes. Okay, so I did. I used to work in Sioux Falls, and a lot of my friends back in the day, they detasseled corn. And right. so now it's all coming back to yeah, me. Yeah, they got rid of the ones they didn't want to propagate. Well, right. So they it was every other row, and then they had to detassel. Yeah, or so. Um, but that's what they did as kids growing up. But yes, I've we've never had to do that. So you might be onto something. I am. I'm telling you, this is your next tier of what you're going to do. All right. Because I got news for you. When you do this right... You won't have to load that truck every morning at 5.30 or 4.30 and drive to town to put your corn in there. There'll be people from all over the world saying, hey, can I get some seed? That's a great idea. That's okay. All right. Um, you can help us manage it, too. Oh, absolutely. Because I'm a genetic-minded kind of a guy. You know, that's interesting. We've never, ever thought about going down that route, that rural route. <laughs> All right, the problem is it's going to take like five years to make a dent in this. Right, yeah. but we have make a dent. time. Make a dent. Get it? Yeah. No, our corn doesn't dent. Oh, it doesn't it is dent. It's that sweet, juicy, and tender that it doesn't dent. <laughs> and if it dents, we don't sell it. You feed it to the cows or you Absolutely. eat it? Absolutely. You know, and, and the thing is, too, a lot of times we'll abandon corn. You know, like uh, this past year we planted probably about 14 acres, and uh, we probably abandoned about five or six of it because once it hits that stage that it's not in its prime boom we just move on to the next field. hey somebody's got to feed marty's coons 
That's a good idea. We actually have a guy on our side of the river that um, uh, does some trapping for us and relocating because the coons aren't in their prime, so he'll relocate them and uh, trap them in the winter. Time. Takes them over on the east side of the river Could by Lincoln. Yeah, we have that <laughs> little zip line thing. We just he put meets, them in a cage. He meets a guy in the middle of the river every night at midnight, and they they, they smuggle them over there. Well, it's kind of funny because Marty, as a crow flies. Um, or as a coon swims, is right across the river from us. <laughs> yeah, he's back in his heyday. Last night he was out hunting early. What is early for Marty? Not like seven. Oh. He's loving this. Well, I suppose it's dark. Yeah, he loves this nonsense of what's going on with the time change, and I hate it. But Marty thinks it's the coolest thing ever. Well, and the weather has... This is what I got last night at 9 o'clock to put me to sleep. Marty Beard. You know, some people try like like the rain or like, the, you know, <laughs> water or a waterfall, but no, you get yeah. like coon dogs. I get marking. coon dogs with a coon in a tree. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. He said he'd take me out and do that sometime, but I need to take him up on that. Well, yeah, but he's, then he's going to be relentless and think you got to go every night. Well, no, that won't happen. I'll need, a, I'll need a boat. I have said it always that everybody should go coon hunting with Marty one time. That's how we met. Because you might not make it back? Is that where the one comes no, in? Every, no, everybody needs to experience this. Right. Well, tell, tell me, you know, because uh, you're from Nebraska, he's from North Dakota. How did you guys hook up? I was speaking at the KFIRE International one year, and this guy showed up with this big old beard and this cute little blonde girl wearing a skunk hat. And it was Marty Joe, and she must have been about five at the time, so however old she is now, minus five. He walks up to me and says, hey, Luce, what are you doing tonight? I said, I, I don't know. He said, nine o'clock, I'm picking up, we're going coon hunting. Oh. That's exactly as that sentence went. And so about 10 o'clock that night on a February night with the moon shining bright in uh, Burley County, North Dakota, mm-hmm. we were riding mules coon hunting. Wow, and that's a heck of a pickup line. I can't believe you fell for it. (laughs) (laughs) We got to go to a break. Speaking of light, terrible news coming out of Wyoming today. Five years ago, Wyoming relied on coal for 71% of its electricity. Today, wind is at 30%, and they are projecting Wyoming is now has one of the largest costs for electricity in the nation. And may not make it through the winter like so many of us in the great plains of america we have moved our reliability from something reliable like coal to other things that are intermittent get details at lignite.com we're back with more mary greener after this two one welcome back trent lewis alongside mary greener i'm not letting you do that all right, well, Here you are, like planning out the segment, what we're going to do. No, not on a roll. This is not Ladies of Another View, where everything's all choreographed and you're scripted <laughs> and you say scripted. everything. Nothing we're just going to let scripted. it fly. Okay, so that I'm going to tell you where I'm going to fly. So this past <laughs> That's week- better than you telling me where I'm going to fly. <laughs> where we're going to fly together. So this past week on the show, I had a wonderful gentleman. Time out. We can't do that. Ladies of Another View is a TV broadcast that Mary is, I'm going to call you, founder of. One of the original hosts. There we go. Uh, And it broadcasts every day 
on Beck News. Beck TV. B E K for those of you Beck not in. Beck TV the Plus. The app is working fantastic and it is widely viewed. Ladies of another view. Okay, now back to your show. All right. Well, I had Butch on. Butch was a Vietnam vet and he's in a motorcycle club. And he talked about Red Shirt Friday. Really? And he's the one, he said, yes, we have to wear red on Friday. And I just, immediately my thoughts went to you. But uh, it was an emotional show for him. Uh, just, I, I, my heart just broke because of the stories and how when the Vietnam vets came home, they weren't necessarily welcomed back. And so that is, it's beyond heartbreaking. All these uh, young men that leave their homes, their families, their loved ones to go fight a war that they don't understand. And then they came back and weren't welcomed. So we made sure that, um, that he knew we welcomed him and Beck is behind the military 150%. Yeah, 100%. Um, do you know the, uh, what was the story? I was going to tell you a couple of stories. The origins of the Red Shirt Friday? Well, only because I learned it from from you mm -hmm. uh, about a year ago. You were telling us about uh, it represents the blood that was shed for the country, per Great. se. Yeah, but who started it? I don't recall. The women's auxiliary with the v within the VFW who thought that every Friday they should wear a red shirt just to show these guys coming home. And there were women, too, from Viet or World War II, but mostly men that we appreciate your sacrifice and that blood you shed. So I did make a small promise. I promised the next time Trent Luce was in town, yeah. I would get you two on the show together. Oh, fantastic. So does Butch live around Bismarck? Butch lives in Bismarck, absolutely. Oh, fantastic. And he is, I want to say, the secretary treasurer for the um, Vietnam Veterans Legacy Motorcycle Club. I don't know if Butch is going to get me on a motorcycle. Uh, well, you know, think think back. Okay, when I think of motorcycles, motorcycles are basically like the iron horse. Like if you backed up a hundred years, Butch would have been on a horse. And so you ride mules. So yeah. you know, I if, if if you can get on a mule with Marty Beard, I think you can get on a motorcycle with Butch. Remember that was twenty years ago. Well, <laughs> they make those with tricycles. Now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to tell you how bad this was because you mentioned that they weren't maybe treated so well coming mm -hmm. home from Vietnam. So I'm very active with the All-American Beef Battalion, have been for since inception now 15 years ago, which was the founder was the late Bill Brody, Vietnam so veteran. American Beef All-American Beef Battalion. I guess I've never heard of that. The All-American Beef Battalion, a nonprofit organization, we have now fed nearly 500,000 a one-pound ribeye, cheesy potatoes, dinner roll, dessert. And um, we fed, I had the All-American Beef Battalion uh, feed for us the other day in brush as we paid tribute to one of the one of the guys who's been so instrumental in not only the All-American Beef Battalion, but in RFD TV and particularly Cowboy Church on RFD TV and also uh, a co-founder of Superior Livestock Auction, and that's Jim Odell. From Brush, Colorado. All right. It was fantastic. But the reason I wanted to walk you through this is that Bill Brody from Ashland, Kansas, who we lost a couple of years ago, uh, he came home from Vietnam, what, uh, I think he was 20 when mm -hmm. he came home. Mm -hmm. And they amputated a leg. So he lost a leg. And we had been in the, uh, 
I think we'd had the All-American Beef Battalion six or seven years until we discovered that Bill had been awarded two Purple Hearts. And he never told you about it. Very quiet. He told us about it. But what he didn't tell us, you're on the right train of thought, is that when he came back stateside from Vietnam mm -hmm. and was in a hospital recovering from amputating a, a leg, they stole his Purple Hearts from him wow. while he was in the hospital in Philadelphia. That's unbelievable. When just, you say they, just the we, hospital we don't know. staff? We don't just, know. All we know is that while he's in the hospital, somebody literally stole his Purple Hearts. And if you think about that, and you put that into context of a 20-year-old kid coming back from Vietnam with one leg, he's in the hospital recovering, he's been awarded two Purple Hearts, and they literally steal them? Wow. That's huge disrespect. But he was so embarrassed, he never told a soul. And somehow, John Fort, who's now uh, executive director of the All-American Beef Battalion, found out about it. And as we were doing a feed at Fort Riley, Kansas one day, we had the Marine Corps reinstate his two Purple Hearts that had previously been stolen from him. It was the most incredible day. Wow. But it speaks to what Butch was talking about. And, and I, don't, I don't think we truly understand what it's like to serve your country, come home and literally have somebody spit in your face. Right. Which happened regularly, every day. Absolutely. And that's the, that's the frustrating part. I have goosebumps. I'll just, I, I'm, I'm just chilled. I don't even, my heart goes out to all of those young men. And now we have young women as well. Back then it was mainly just the men. But uh, to, to be, to work so hard fighting a war that they didn't understand and then to, to come back and not be welcomed back into your own right. country, to be spat on and shamed, and then to have your Purple Heart stolen, it's just unbelievable unbelievable you know because my mind at first went oh it might have been somebody some nurse who thought she was doing him a favor I'll, I'll i'll take care of these so they don't get lost in the shuffle but it was more more than likely someone who did it because they didn't agree with the position of the war and they took him and said you, you're not worthy of this right wow oh my goodness I, my heart just goes out to him and and others but what a great deed to go ahead and have them reinstated that is just unbelievable. I don't even know how much effort John went to behind the scenes, but I know that it was an incredible thing to be a part of that day in Manhattan, Kansas. I'll never forget it. Wow. Wow. Plus, I played softball that day in a fundraiser with... Um, uh, it, oh, heads up, Luke Tibor's in the house. Uh, <laughs> hey, Luke Tibor. And... Uh, was I, that Special Olympics or was it a regular softball game? It was amputees. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. For the military. Oh, I didn't understand. So that. veterans who were wounded warriors, they have a softball team. I didn't know. And that. not one of them has two arms and two legs. Oh. And I was playing on what was deemed a, a celebrity softball team, and uh, they smoked us. I was gonna say that they smoked you. Well, they smoked us. <laughs> it was terrible. Wow. It was actually wonderful to see these guys who had every reason not to continue. Yeah. And yet they are resilient. They overcome. And uh, our most emotional, without a doubt, Mary, All-American Beef Battalion that I've been a part of was we fed 300 at Walter Reed in Bethesda, Maryland. And those 300 are all 
they're just come home from Iraq or Afghanistan and they're in recovery and just to see the determination that these kids are they're 18 years old wow you know and it's not what they signed up for I mean it is and it is and a lot of times people are told hey you know sign up for the military you get free college and it's like well there's conditions that go along with that um, you know they they want to fight for their own country but they also want to fight for the freedom in the world for that matter yeah. because we're in such a in a such a mess right now um, and I know that there there will never be peace throughout the world but they get it they get involved in these uh, countries that they don't even understand and they're not welcome in those countries necessarily either it's just uh, war makes money and I I, I hate to say that um, at people and families expenses around the world exactly it's unbelievable Mary Greener, we have to take a break. We are already halfway through our broadcast. Before I go, I want to remind people that if you want more information about the All-American Beef Battalion who continues to feed the troops, go to stakesfortroops.com. It's a celebration of beef. And Mary, I had about 135 cattlemen in Brush, Colorado who ate steaks cooked by the All-American Beef Battalion. And I had so many cattlemen say, that's the best steak I've ever eaten. Wow. And what kind of steak was it? I don't know. It's how they cook it. Oh, you thought I was going to say it was I a Piedmontese, didn't you? I thought it was. It was not. It but was it was not. these guys. They've got three grills that can cook 700 rotisserie steaks at a time. They That's built amazing. Them. They built them. They pulled them behind a pickup. But the All-American Beef Battalion is on the web at stakesfortroops.com. And speaking of the All-American Beef Battalion, Cross Diamond Ranch, Scott and Kim Ford, for the 13th consecutive year, will donate the proceeds from Lot 21. 21 gun salute and their bull sale to the All-American Beef Battalion. And the Beef Battalion is going to be cooking on December the 10th, Bertrand, Nebraska. The sale itself is December the 11th in Bertrand. Details about the 250 bulls, 450 females that are selling on the web at crossdiamondcattle.com. We'll be back with more the second half of Roll Route after this. Welcome back. Roll Route. Trent Lucas on a red shirt Friday. Mary Greener, first ever appearance. We'll see if she's worthy of a second appearance. Well, time will tell. Luke Tibor has been back. on once. He has. Yeah. You're worthy every week, actually, if you would be available, but I can't get you. Your agent doesn't clear you often enough. My agent. That would be my four college kids <laughs> and my husband and a ranch, right? We haven't even got to the back part yet. I think Tibor's leaving without us. He is. Why yeah. would he do that? I don't know. He's kind of a loner. Well, come on over, <laughs> Tibor. Get a word in. Luke was just on Roll Route like three weeks ago. Lowest rated Roll Route there ever was. You have to pretend the microphone is your friend. Lowest rated Rural <laughs> Route there ever was. Wow, Luke Tibor. Mm-hmm. Not only does he play had, bass, but he's uh, I had, I had more history buffs chiming in on Man, that guy had a lot of good stuff. You know, he really does, and I have to give kudos out to him because when we do the show, Ladies of Another View, it's like he will come up with topics, and we've even suggested he should be on weekly just talking about some historical issues. He's got it. I know. What do you say, Luke? You in? (laughs) He's all about the money. You got to pay. Mm -hmm. Come to find out his dad was a history teacher, I believe. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, we did talk about that. All right. All right, he's anxious to go. Yeah. Let's go get ready for us so we can just walk in like we're on a red carpet, okay, Luke? Okay. Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) It is a red shirt Friday. That's why the red carpet. 
<sighs> Where do we go from here? Where do we go? Well, we could talk about history. You know how we're always just one generation away from losing our history. You know, we do a little segment. I shouldn't say a segment. It's actually a show. It's almost weekly. It's called My Hometown. And I always talk to the, the people of the community. It's like we're always one generation away of losing our history. And people like Luke get it. He oh, yeah. understands it. He researches it. It's just, it's a passion. But we need to get that passion back into our people because it's like, it, you know, even the way I explain it is, you know, Grandpa, you know, knew all about the homesteaders because his, his parents probably homesteaded. And then each generation, we forget a little bit more and more and more. And now most most people are already a generation or two away from the 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 farming ranching that actually built this country you know the settlers that came across and uh, worked so hard to make this country what it is today but everyone we just every generation we lose a little bit more so we get really good at focusing on places this is big you know my favorite destination in the nation Medora yes and we're really good about the history. Yeah, and you don't need to be just from North Dakota to understand Marquis de Moore and what he did and Medora did and Theodore Roosevelt did. But in every town USA, yes. there's some historical component like that that somebody has not kept alive. Right. And the best one that I have found to date was in my own county, in my own back door. Do tell. So I have a friend, two friends. Uh, <laughs> you said that wouldn't happen. I said someone's going to get ice. <laughs> <laughs> the studio happens to be located by the ice machine here at, at you know, Broadcast We USA. do what we can. Yeah, we do what we can. So Mike Fell is a friend of mine from Rapid City. And Kirk Zeller was supposed to be my neighbor. He's supposed to live 15 miles away, but he's always in California because he's in business and he's also in the movie-making industry. Like 15 states away. Yeah, but his home is 15 miles from my mm-hmm. house. And, you know, Mike Fell stumbled onto this story that's not really been told correctly called Heart Mountain. You see, that's my point. I never heard of it. I that. never either. But Heart Mountain is in Wyoming by Powell, Wyoming. Heard of that. And it is uh, one of the concentration camps. They mm-hmm. called internment camps, where the Japanese were hauled to during World War II because in our infinite wisdom of the U.S. government, we rounded up all the Japanese and put them in internment camps so they didn't rebel against the U.S. government. Yeah. And one of those is Heart Mountain, Powell, Wyoming. Well, I, all three of us went to Heart Mountain. There's still uh, a remnants of that there, and they have a museum, and the best way not to repeat history, or to repeat it perfectly, is to make sure that we remind people of what we did and why we right. shouldn't do it again. Right. So I, I got pretty interested in the whole Japanese internment camp thing. And then just this spring, a traveling museum for Japanese internment camps comes to Lincoln, Nebraska. Mm. And Kirk Zeller, my friend who lives 15 miles from me, calls me and he says, Trent, there was one guy from Japan who was in an internment, excuse me, let me state that correctly. There was one guy from Nebraska who was Japanese who spent time in an internment camp, only one. And he lived in Sherman County. And he was a farmer in Sherman County. I live in Sherman County. Wow. And so I said, well, get me the name, his name. And 
And so I go back into the history of Sherman County, which had been printed, thanks to a local newspaper, mm-hmm. that in 1943, this guy from Japan had been loaded up and hauled to an internment camp because when he bought his farm in Sherman County, it was paid for by Japanese royalty. So they automatically thought that he had some allegiance to Japan. Lo and behold, the house that he bought in the 40s is still standing, and I drove over there. It's 11 miles from my house. Wow. And the people that own the property around there? Didn't know. They don't. They still don't know unless they watch my show because they did turn on the loose about it. But there's cows running all around this house, you know, and it's just one of those old houses sure. that sits out there with no windows and still standing because back then we built houses to stand instead of like we built them today. Right, they fall apart. But that his, my point is that history exists in every single town USA. Yes, it does. Somebody has to keep it alive. Exactly, and that's, and that's what we try to do. Um, I kind of have a similar story. Excellent. It is up, I did in my hometown about New Rockford, North Dakota. And there was a hotel, and it was very elegant for its day, and it was in the 40s, and uh, it, w- it was like Oriental Gardens, and I don't remember the name of the hotel off the top of my head at this moment, but um, he had just, it was beautiful, and it had um, gardens, and it had water, and it had koi ponds, and he was also taken into an internment camp, and when he got out, he was never the same. He was just never the same. But we go one step closer. Did you know United Tribes Technical College was an internment camp? No, I did not. Right in Bismarck, North Dakota. Really? Yes, that is an internment camp. For Indians? No, for for the Japanese. That was the Japanese internment camp. I knew North Dakota, Wyoming, Montana, Colorado. Our listener here in Colorado had an internment camp. Yes, I think they were everywhere. It's just, again, it's part of that history that maybe America's ashamed of and they don't want people to know. But it's up to us to talk about the history so, like you said earlier, we don't repeat it. And now it seems like we have hotels filled with young men of this fighting age, and they're not in an internment camp, they're given a debit card and a cell phone. I guess I don't understand um, if they are a threat to our country, how we could consider these nice, peaceful people you know, running hotels, running a farm, running a ranch, we will take them and put them in an internment camp, but yet we have open borders and we just let anybody in and we don't know what what their reasons for being here are. And you don't know what you accidentally just did. I digressed into another topic (laughs) is what I did. (laughs) One year ago today was the day that Facebook took over my account. Oh my gosh, and it's nasty. Just it is. nasty. But my opinion is that it was three days after I was at the, uh, it was three days after I was at the border, Eagle Pass. Oh. And I stated in a broadcast, and I have the broadcast, I can share it with you, that I clearly see what is taking place here because the day before I got there at Del Rio, 1,600 men from Venezuela had just arrived at Del Rio in formation. Wow. And they let them in. The border border patrol welcomed them in. So my broadcast was, I see what's happening with the drug trade, I see what's happening with the child trafficking, and I see what's happening with the young fighting age men that are coming across this border every day with encouragement and incentive, incentivized to do so, I am going to fix it. It was three days later, I was my hijack 
Facebook account. Well, and not only do they hijack your account, but they, they put just very nasty photos on your account and everybody thought it was the Trent Loose. But I understand that you know that um, um, that the URL, isn't it out of Russia or? So no, uh, what ha has, what, so for eight months, they just posted things like it was me, it was borderline me, just right. baiting people and bringing right. them in. And then all of a sudden, in the past few months, it's accelerated to absolute filth and trash and sexual content that it would, was just, if I had posted it myself, they would shut me down. Absolutely. But if you, they changed my page from public figure page to government organization. And so when you follow that back, and I know this because I worked with this yesterday at the Nebraska Attorney General, who at this very minute is talking to them about fixing it. But if you track that back, it says that the admin of this page is in Kosovo. Wow. I just, and, and that's America today. It's like you speak the truth and you will, they will try to shut you down. And uh, you know what? And I told this to the Attorney General yesterday. I said, look, I'm not, I've never complained about being censored or being shut down because I'm a, a zealot for property rights. Yes. And literally, that's somebody's property that I'm using. I understand that. And if they want to censor me, that's one thing. Right. But where they maintain a life to my name and portray me as something that I'm not, that's not any that's way, shape, or form property rights. Yeah. That's defamation of character. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm glad it's finally getting, hopefully, settled. Hopefully. But I had three attorneys that wouldn't touch it. And shame on them. Shame on them. Well, two of them, well, two of them would with a $6,000 retainer. I'm like, no, no, that ain't, that's not happening. And then one was just like, I, I, Trent, I just, I wouldn't know where to go, what to do, which I kind of understand, but I found the right path. Well, and hopefully, you know, for anyone who, who's had the same thing happen to them, they can reach out and find out how to do that. You said contact your attorney general for your state. Is that pretty much well, the route you went? That's what I did. Good luck with you and Drew Wrigley. He's kind of inept. We got to go to another break. That was Trent Luce, not Mary Grainer saying that. We got to go to another break. And I want to Hey, what are you doing January the 6th? January the 6th. I do know what you're doing. You're going to the National Western Denver, Colorado. Oh, yes. The bread female sale is going to be fantastic. Superior Livestock, Northern Video, Northern Livestock Video, and Allied Genetics are partnering up with the National Western to have the biggest first time ever multiple video auctions. Plus, guess what, Mary Grainer? What would that be? The All-American Beef Battalion is going to feed any veteran that comes to this event on at noon on wow. January that we're expecting 500. Plus, oh, Kenny and Mary Grainer talking about the new genetics in sweet corn. Maybe even getting into popcorn after all of this takes place. Well, yeah, never Nationalwestern.com, full details, and check out the, the Pink Rodeo. It's on tap again this year. Nationalwestern.com. We're back with the last segment of Roll Rod after this. Welcome back, Trent Luce, Mary Grainer. We could do this like every week if you want to. We don't have to be in Kansas City, you know. Oh, but but this does make it so much nicer. Look what Luke Tibor brought to me. Experience. The National World War One Museum and Memorial. Wow. I've actually been there. I have not. And and I've been there because uh, when we did the Arise USA tour, yes, I wanted to go to this and do our event there, and they were very welcoming. 
but um, it didn't work out. Kansas City can have some tough areas, just so you know. Well, I've heard that. Um, I've, I used to live in Sioux Falls, and we'd get down here every now and then. But, you know, it was always in, um, you know, nice neighborhoods, nice restaurants, nice everything. Well, Mary, even Sioux Falls is not what it was when you went, were living there. That's what I've heard. Yeah, cities have changed. Yeah, even look at Fargo. Fargo has changed dramatically in the landscape. You know, here's the upper, upper Midwest community and um, and I don't know the exact the exact number of languages but in the school system it's in it's in the tens I want to say up to 40 different languages and it's unbelievable these kids don't speak English um, our whole landscape has changed our whole country has changed and it's uh, I we're welcoming we are we were all immigrants into this country I understand that but even like my parents, mm -hmm. my mother's first language was German. She didn't speak a word of English before she went to first grade. So she stayed in during recess to learn the English language because you didn't want to be left out. And that was the way it was. That was, that was the, the, the language spoken. But now, um, you know, education, they hire so many paralegals, not paralegals, para helpers, what are they called? Para somethings. Yeah, I don't know. A, a para teachers that uh, go ahead and... Teacher's aides. <laughs> teacher's aides, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, they come in and, you know, the cost of education is so high because we have so many, um, I don't know. I mean, you, you look back, back in the eighth grade, say, 60, 70 years ago, they were learning Latin. And now in college, we have remedial English classes. You know, people that, that can't, um, don't even understand... I just don't get it. I don't know where I'm going with this. I just don't get it. Well, things have changed. Yeah. And I have had the great fortune, and we are booming in Noble County, Minnesota today on, in the Worthington area, but I've spoken in the Worthington, Minnesota High School two times. And there is 80 different dialects, not at languages, but 80 different dialects within how many mm -hmm. dozens of languages spoken in the Worthington High School. That's amazing. Just think about that from a an educational standpoint right. how you meet the needs to get everybody at the same level that's that's a challenge indeed it is and you know it used to be reading writing and arithmetic and now just just interrupt you even though mom said never interrupt a lady but that has been in the case for a long time because yes. there is a pork packing plant in worthington and, oh sure and i'm all about that because that brings about production that brings about something that's completely different than what's happening today where we're just warehousing these young men from all over the world right and i and again i just don't understand it and if anybody has the answer to that as to why we can't shut down our borders as to why we can't um you know i do have the answer because we don't want to well when you say we don't put me in the we you and i want to so Apparently you do. We. You're you're letting it happen in this country's run by we the people, and we the people have not been loud enough about it. Well, we need to get louder then. We do. I mean, I think here, I mean, you've been getting louder. Beck's been getting louder. So it's like I still don't want to be part of that we. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> we is they at the moment, but we plan to take it back over. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy when you think about what is going on in our country and nothing is being done about it. And it's and this is where you can't jump over the fence at the White House or you will be thrown in jail. But you can jump over the fence into our country. There is no fence. 
There is no fence. And you know, any other country, and I shouldn't say any other country, but you cross somebody's border and you you will be shot. You you will not be alive. You will be thrown in a jail um, until your country comes to get you. And it's like, why can't we have that in our own country? And you know, Andrew Henderson and I, every morning, except for when Beck takes a day off, like Veterans Day, uh, he describes the same exact things happening in the UK. Right. Even interestingly, they give them 2,200 pounds. We give them $2,200. Well, why how is that how accidentally yeah. can it be the same number? The same figure because the dollar and the pound isn't equal in value. So Correct. how do they come up? What, what does that 22 signify? There's got to be something. Yeah, you're right. But the exchange rate right now is 1.21. I know that. If you're wanting to know how much 2,200 pounds is. All right. The dollar is worth 1.2 more than the pound. Hmm. Surprises me. Yeah. So that's where we're at. Uh, you've referenced Beck several times. That's just been a big part of your life the last, what, five years? Three. three. No way. Yes, it's that only That can't been three. only been three years. It's only three. Absolutely. Really? Um, in October, they had asked us, hey, well, Patty had given me a call, said, hey, Mary, how would you like to be a talk show host? And I knew Patty through PTO, um, you know, through the school. And I said, no, thanks. No, not interested. <laughs> <laughs> And she called me about a you know a couple of weeks later. Well, are you sure? I said, Yeah, no, I'm just I'm happily a, a stay-at-home mom who's never at home. You know, when you're a farm ranch wife, you're the parts runner, you're the you know lunch getter, you're the you know run to you know you can run to Fargo for an afternoon because that part that they need, the combine broke down or whatever, you have to go get that part. So that has some value on it. You know, if it if it's not for that um, for that ranch wife, farm wife running those errands you have to have a full-time employee that you know what i'm saying just running out to grab these kind of things and do these extra things like hey i ran out of fuel here can you bring the fuel truck up you know that kind of thing there's a value placed on that but uh so fast forward um patty said well why don't you just come to a meeting and it's like ah, well fine i'll come to the meeting Hook line sinker right so got there <laughs> got bad and, and i knew just about everybody at the table i mean carmen sertola was there my kids went to school with her kids um lori hins was there i knew lori just through uh, some of the republican activities and patty and whatnot and it's like and somebody had said something about trump and it was like well uh, well i'm not a trump fan i don't think i can do the show it's like finally i just said this isn't a show about Trump. This is a, he just so happens to be our president. You don't have to like him, support him or anything, but the topic is going to come up because he is our sitting president at yeah. the time. And so um, once she understood that, then she was on board too. And so it's like, of course, we're gonna talk about current topics. And if that's who your president is, that's who we will be talking about. But anyway, it started out just a great group. and. You know, I was never, ever an anti-vaxxer, um, and now I would put myself into that category um, after the COVID things. All my kids were, you know, I had the childhood vaccinations, and now I'm kicking myself as to why I allowed that poison to be put into their systems. And so, you know, it's my eyes have been opened, and again, that was a lot of the research that I did through Beck, or B-E-K, um, Beck News. That's the bad part. When you say Beck, everybody wants to put a C in there, but it's B-E-K. Uh, so do you still vaccinate cattle? 
We do some vac vaccinations. We're not going to do that mRNA vaccine, but we, you know, the um, the five-way, um, we do do that, yes. Um, it's going to come up at this meeting. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I, I know for a fact. Okay. All right. And I have not vaccinated an, an animal since October of 2021. All right. Nothing. Well, we don't give, there's the one, I, I want to say it is the five-way that we don't. Probably a seven-way. Seven. At, oh. You give a seven-way at branding. I think I'm guessing. Yeah, you I guess five way, I, I, five way at weaning, seven way at branding is typical. Yeah, so we don't we okay. don't brand our calves like like the calves that we're going to sell and whatnot. We we so that we don't brand them going into the right. into the barn. But there was for the last two years um, we haven't given a certain vaccine. I, I forgive me for not knowing. But which there one is, is just for clarity on everybody listening. There is currently no mRNA available in the beef or dairy business. But there is for pork. There's a, a PED vaccine that is available for pork, has been since 2015. But uh, now that we got two minutes left, uh, I've already had this conversation with one of the presenters here at this event. The technology to acquire mRNA vaccines is not the problem. It's what they do once they have the genetic code. Because it's pretty simple. It's just taking the genetic code, identifying that so that they can build... A vaccine around it but what they insert into the vaccine like they did with the human COVID vaccine with the spike proteins that's where the danger comes from right, right. and so it opens up a door to manipulation and that's what we need to be afraid of but uh, I, don't, I don't know I didn't mean to say be afraid of be alarmed about right, right. be aware of be aware of but it's gonna come up in a big way at this event I can just tell you well I can't wait to hear probably it. tomorrow and I can't wait to interview you afterwards because last night I accidentally sat down next to a representative from the state of Missouri who was pushing to have that as a labeling law in Missouri in this year's legislative session. Oh my gosh. That's the, dangerous. See, they go the, ahead and they don't know what, well, they don't know the background. They you don't might know want what the rest doing. of the story. She was working with the U.S. cattlemen to get it done. So it's going to be an interesting weekend, U Mary. U.S. cattlemen. Yes. Or U.S. Cattlemen Association. What are you doing? U.S. Cattlemen about? Association. To get it Your done. group. Mm. Stay tuned. I'm going to have to. Stay tuned. I'm just telling you, it's going to be a good weekend. Uh, there was, oh, and then the other part of that story was the Missouri representative that she was fighting against this was Representative Kurt Gregory, Curtis Gregory, and he was calling me to get information to work on that bill. Well, we're going to have to back off on that because, honest to God, it's like, my husband is one of the past presidents, and we are against that. So I need to know the rest of the story. That is what it's always about, the rest of the story. Amen. Mary, guess what this clock says? It says that uh, we're going coon hunting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if I, had, I should have that queued up and ready to roll. I want to remind you, speaking of, well, you know, you could call a coon a pest because if the coon gets in your corn, it's a pest. It is, indeed. But in no way, shape, or form does the Apache sprayer work on coons. It only works on insects and on plants out of place, which we otherwise For call... Now. Apache. Well, a weed. Mandan. Oh, a the weed. weed. The weed. Okay. Plant out of place. Plant a, out a, of place. A weed. It is, indeed. Yeah, but Apache... But most weeds are healthy. 
yeah, to the why American is that? diet. So the, oh, we oh, need no. to talk about no, this. No, why is it that the weeds are always healthier in the field than the plants you planted? It's crazy. But Apache sprayer technology will take care of the ones that you don't want. That's the moral of the story. Stop by the store in Mandan. Or if you're over around, oh, say, Cass County, you can stop there as well. But Simpson Farm Enterprises, that's the lower, the central plains, I'm going to call that. Simpson Farm Enterprises out of Hayes, Kansas. Also a store Grand Island, Ransom, and Beloit. And many people in Colorado using Apache sprayer technology. On the web at simpsonfarm.com. We've successfully journeyed down the road, connecting food producers to food consumers. From Mary Green or Trent Luce, both of us reminding you that all roads do lead to a roll route. Amen, brother. <laughs>